Good afternoon, everybody. As we head into another Bible study for this week, um, we are leaving Psalm 119 behind. And if you feel like you would go, would like to go back and listen to some of those again, then by all means, you're welcome to do that. But today we're going to head into a passage from the Old Testament again, but this time from the book of Isaiah. And this is one of the readings that we didn't really get to look at over the last two weeks in our lectionary readings, um, but it's a a beautiful passage, um, wonderful images in here, but also speaks about the coming of the Messiah. Um, but also there are some important things to note from the context of the time that it was written. But um, I found it quite a hopeful um, passage. So if you want to turn with me, we're going to Isaiah chapter 11. And uh, we're going to read today just from verse 1 to uh, verse 10. So, a lot slower, our Bible study today, shall we say. Um, but I hope and pray that as we meet around this passage, there also would be some things that spark off in your mind and your heart, and that you could also do a bit of other reading up if you, if you desire to do so. So, let's just pray together, and then we will look at Isaiah 11. So, Lord God, as we get closer and closer towards Christmas, we thank you for the gift of Advent that just constantly calls us to, to remind um, our, ourselves that you are the reason for Christmas. There are so many things happening around us. The world is busy. Um, there are many things that are in upheaval at the moment from political to financial to relational. Um, and so, Lord, as we come to look at this scripture passage, may it bring to us the hope and the peace, the love and joy and the light that Jesus brings to us. And so we offer you this time in Jesus' name. Amen. So friends, yes, uh, also just to say thank you before we start. Thank you to um, all of you, those of you who are listening and to the, the church in uh, general. Um, both the Simonstown and the official communities for the incredible love that was shown to Kim and I over the weekend um, as we celebrated our birthdays. So, yeah, just really want to do, um, add that in before we start the Bible study today. So let's read Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1 to 10. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot, yes, a new branch bearing fruit from the old root. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, and the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. He will delight in obeying the Lord. He will never judge by appearance, false evidence, or hearsay. He will defend the poor and the exploited. He will rule against the wicked and destroy them with the breath of his mouth. He will be clothed with fairness and truth. In that day, the wolf and the lamb will live together. The leopard and the goat will be at peace. Calves and yearlings will be safe among lions, and a little child will lead them all. The cattle will graze among bears. Cubs and calves will lie down together, and lions will eat grass as the livestock do. Babies will crawl safely among poisonous snakes. Yes, a little child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes, and pull it out unharmed. Nothing will hurt or destroy in all of my holy mountain. 
and as the waters fill the sea, so the earth will be filled with the people who know the Lord. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be like a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, for the land where he lives will be a glorious place. So we'll just stop there at the end of verse 10. So I read that from the New Living Translation. Um, I also have the NIV with me, as I usually like to do. Um, and so I'll be chopping and changing between the two of them. Um, so just a bit of context for us. Uh, Isaiah chapter 10 um, speaks about the, the coming of God's judgment against Assyria. Because what had happened is Assyria had... Uh, conquered Israel, and there had been a number of people taken into to, uh, exile. If you look at um, chapter 9, there's also been a hope for a Messiah and promises for the future. Even chapter 7 of Isaiah, we would remember this, there is um, a, a promise or a sign of Emmanuel to come. Those famous words from verse 14 of that, that... Um, the virgin will conceive a child and she'll give birth to a son and we are to call him Emmanuel, God is with us. And so a lot of things are taking place in the background to this. But the one thing that I think would help us to, to really make sense, certainly of the first line, the first verse, is that there was this picture or this prophecy given that Assyria, the, the, the mighty army and the conquerors of Israel, would be destroyed by God. If you... Just go back a few verses, like uh, I think it's to verse 33. It says there, verse 33 of chapter 10, But look, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will chop down the mighty tree. He will destroy all that vast army of Assyria, officers and high officials alike. The mighty one, and that's in this translation, the mighty one written in, in um, capital letters, will cut down the enemy as an axe cuts down the forest trees in Lebanon. So this picture of trees being chopped down is going to be used now as a comparison. So um, the prophecy that Isaiah gives saying that Assyria will be chopped down by God, the mighty one. But what is important, and we read between the lines in this, is that the, this stump of Assyria will remain a stump. Nothing will ever grow from it again. And yet, in, when we see the difference is now Israel itself has been cut down. It's been literally um, yeah, been chopped down by the enemy and is now just a stump. And that's the kind of experience they're living in. But that's not the end of it. Isaiah gives them a word of hope here where he says, and I, I read now from the NIV, a shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. So for this, it's probably easier. Just imagine two stumps, two stumps of wood. Um, and as you picture that, focus on one of them and say, okay, that stump is the one that's going to remain barren. It's going to remain dead. Nothing will ever grow from it. But then take a look at the other one. And this is what Isaiah is wanting to, to present in this word picture. As he says, from this stump that looks like it is done, that it's dead, out of that will grow a shoot. And that little shoot is a, um, a sign of hope. And, and we all may have seen this actually um, in our own wanderings or walking. We may have seen a stump that looks like it's dead, but there's some little green shoots coming from it. 
Now that is the picture that Isaiah wants to give the people. It's a sign of hope. And that this new branch that will come from it will bear fruit from the old, the old root. And of course, we know that when we look about um, the coming of Jesus, we look at the whole genealogy of Jesus, very important to the Jewish people, very clear in Matthew's gospel and Matthew's genealogy, that it speaks about Jesus coming from the long line of, of David and from Jesse. Remember, Jesse was David's father. And if you, if you like, as a comparison, the people of God put a lot of their hope in the earthly kings of the time, David being one of them, Saul and Solomon, but they were just imperfect human beings. As inspired as they were and as wise as they were um, and, and having a lot of authority and power, they were imperfect. And so what Isaiah does here is he gives us another vision, a vision of the perfect king and the Messiah who is to come. And so when he says in verse 2, the spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of the knowledge and of fear of the Lord. We, we can see this as him speaking about Jesus as the coming Messiah. Verse 3 says, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see, nor decide by what his ears hear. So again, it's offering us this picture of a Messiah who will do things differently. Um, earthly kings can only judge by what they see or by what they hear. Jesus can obviously go further than that, and he, and he looks into the heart, looks into the mind, looks into the very being of a person. And so his judgment and and his delight in the fear of the Lord will be very different from a human king or human leader. Verse 4 says, But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. Now just those two lines, or, or sort of those two thoughts in, in this line of this verse, um, again there's a connection I'm seeing here with the Beatitudes where it speaks about the poor and it speaks about the meek. And Jesus always was willing to walk alongside the poor and willing to, to help the meek. Um, he was always against those who were proud and arrogant. It says here also the second part of this verse, that he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Now, one would probably have to do a little bit more digging around there to to see what Isaiah was getting at, but just the, the, the word picture of this um, is very profound because he's really saying that, that this Messiah will be so powerful that he will be able to, with his very mouth, his very breath, he will, he will be able to destroy the wicked um, and, and really, I, I, I guess, uh, do a lot of things just with the power of the word that comes out of his mouth. Now, if you like... We can draw parallels this also with how God created the world um, in the Genesis account. It's very interesting that the writer of Genesis speaks about that God having so much authority and power that he spoke the world into existence. Now, depending on, on how you see um, the, the creation account, um, it, just, it just gives us this insight into the fact that God is all-powerful. And Jesus, as the coming Messiah, also as that word of God 
now made flesh, uh, taking on human form, will also have the power to, to really rattle the cages, if you like, of the wicked and those who consider themselves to be in power. Verse 5 um, is, is very different in these two translations. Let me read the New Living first. New Living Translation says that he will be clothed with fairness and truth. So we have a picture of this Messiah, the King, clothed, and obviously not just talking about physical clothes, but what what is within him and what he embodies is fairness and truth. Then have a look at what the NIV says. It says, righteousness shall be the belt around his waist and faithfulness the belt around his loins. So he wears righteousness and faithfulness just as he would wear any form of clothing. From verse 6 to to verse 8, we, we have a picture here, and some commentators think that this is um, almost a looking back to how the world was in the beginning, pre-sin, uh, just after it had been created, that this place of perfect, perfect peace. And so he uses images here that would naturally shock us, and we would think, well, that would never be. So the wolf shall live with the lamb. I mean, immediately we're saying, well, that doesn't make sense because what we know of the world today is that the wolf wants to eat the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. Now, obviously, that's not the kid as a, as a person kid. That is, um, that is a goat, a young goat. Again, a leopard normally likes to eat the young goat. The calf and the lion and the fatling together. So, I mean, just a calf and a yearling would never be safe among lions today because, again, they become food for the lions. And then it says, and a little child will lead them all. So everything about verse 6 is a paradox because this idea of a child leading anybody, and particularly in a, in a community, in a culture, Going back now, thousands of years before Jesus even, there was just no way that children would lead adults. Um, you know, you had this kind of hierarchy of, of how the world worked. And definitely it was, it was older men who took charge of everything. But little children would never lead anybody else, let alone leading animals, because that's also kind of attached to the end um, of this picture. Then verse 7 says, the cow and the bear shall graze together. It's also interesting. Um, the, the, why I can't get my mind around the bear and the cow, um, because we don't really see bears in South Africa. Um, but I, I suppose the, the similar images is that bears are quite aggressive. And so if there is a lack of food, the bear would eat the cow. Um, but now we see them grazing together. They're sharing the pasture together. And their young will lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. So all of these things that seem so unusual will begin to happen. Um, the world will be almost upside down. Or I suppose we could argue the world will be the right way up. Whatever. Um, it's just this idea of things will be very different. Verse 8, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp 
which is a form of snake, as you know. Um, and then the weaned child shall put its hand on the adder's den. The, the NRV, the New Living, sorry, says that the child will put its hand in the nest of deadly snakes and pull it out unharmed and will crawl safely among poisonous snakes. Now, all of these things, just as I mentioned them, we, we would think about a, a reaction to that. The one thing you never want a young child to do is to play anywhere near the, um, a snake's den um, or, or crawl around where there's snakes because you just know that that's just taking life, um, yeah, life into your own hands. But it's this idea that there will be a sense of overriding peace. The wolf will peacefully live amongst the lambs, the leopard with the goats, the lion and the calves. Young children will be able to play with snakes and they won't be bitten. The bear and the cow will graze together, the young together. It will just be really this sense of tranquility and peace. It's language that Isaiah is using to present to people that they would understand and even we would understand it. It is like the world, um, like we've never seen it before. It says on ver in verse 9, they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. Now, just to, to pause there, you know, the holy mountain is, is obviously spoken about as um, in, in Israel and in Jerusalem. But the picture here that Isaiah gives is that the holy mountain is, is actually the whole earth. It's spread out more than just in in Israel, on all of my holy mountains. So what he sees taking place will be over the whole earth. And then he says, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So wherever you look and you see the sea is around and the waters fill the lands, that's how people will know God. Everywhere you look, people will know God. And then he comes to, to verse 10 on that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The New Living Translation says, In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, for the land where he lives will be a glorious place. And I think it's easy, as you hear it read like that, to see Jesus in this as as the, the coming um, of the Messiah, the perfect Messiah. And this speaks about a golden age that is to come. Um, we, as I often have said before, when we await the birth of Jesus, there's two things that we are awaiting. One is we are awaiting it in this year. So for us now, 2022, we await the 25th of December because of all the, the promise it brings to us it's the, um, the remembrance that Jesus is the hope and the peace and the love, also the joy and the light. And, and that's what we're looking for and that's what we need. We need to be reminded that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us in our present time. But we also hold to it that he is still to come, that the golden age, if you like that phrase, is still to come. It's still to be revealed um, and it will be revealed. And that's what we as Christians speak about as the second coming of God. And so I'm going to leave it there today, friends, um, and ask you to, to do your own reading around that. But I just hope and pray that this, this passage has given us 
you know, just some more food for thought, particularly around this time of Advent. Um, there are so many wonderful passages we could look at, but um, I hope that this one also gives us um, some some insight. In the church calendar, we are we are moving between peace from last Sunday to love this next week and then joy. And so I also ask that this scripture reading would give us all of those things, hope, peace, love, and joy as we look forward to the coming of Jesus. Thank you and God bless you. Have a wonderful week further. Amen.